Wednesday and welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. Visit the website abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have and how it can benefit your daily life. They're all about helping people live a better life. So again, check out the website abotanicalcompany.com. When you order online, use the discount code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Colby Show to save yourself 15% off your online order, which is really awesome. And I'm really excited that we're able to save you some money. Again, uh, if you're getting your uh, Kratom or whatever else from another place, we can save you money when you order online with Artisan Botanicals at abotanicalcompany.com. And if you're unfamiliar with their line of products, again, educate yourself or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Ask questions and find out how their products can help you live a better life. All right, big show today, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking right here. Aaron and I had a long conversation, so we're going to jump right into that in just a moment. But I do want to remind everybody, if you miss the live stream every day, uh, I have started posting these. I've actually been posting them for a while, but I haven't uh, been promoting it at all. But I've been posting the videos after we're done on YouTube, so just search Colby Daniels on YouTube. And you can find the daily show after the stream is over posted there if you want to rewatch that. So uh, anyway, just another avenue, I guess, to, to be able to uh, check this thing out. And I appreciate all of you guys checking this thing out on a daily basis. So, all right, here is today's conversation with Aaron Davis. Aaron, happy Wednesday. What's going on, my friend? Not much. Just uh, sitting outside of this highly recommended uh, establishment. James Harden uh, told me that they had the best buffet in town, so <laughs> thought I'd come check it out. Yeah, I, I hear they have a really good BLT. If you don't want to, if you want to order off the menu, I hear the BLT is outstanding. BLT is good. Uh, they've got a great, uh, you know, chicken Caesar salad. Whatever. You, really, you can't go wrong here. Whether you want uh, you want beef or fish, <laughs> highly recommended. I bet they have a nice lunch fish option. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, don't go in there expecting, you know, something fancy. It's probably going to be like, you know, salmon or tilapia or something, you know, a cheap fish, but it's still delicious. Is salmon a cheap fish? I think so. I think the fact that I've had salmon more than 20 times in my life tells me that it's okay. it's not one of the expensive fish. Okay. I don't I don't even know like what what the tiers of fish would be. I I have no idea. I mean, I'm I assuming like catfish is on the cheap end. Right. I, I don't I, think it matters. I thought honestly. salmon would be like the next step up. Not that it's the premier, but I just thought it might like be a like middle a middle thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. I I don't think it matters. I was in California a few years ago and I was like, "You know what? I've never had like expensive fish. Let's try something a little different. I, yeah. So I got swordfish. It tastes exactly like any fish I've ever had in my life. Really? Yeah, I, I think fish just tastes like fish. Salmon's a little different, but it still tastes like fish. I had some, uh, I think it was red snapper in San Diego, and it was unlike anything I've ever had. Really? Yeah. Huh. Like, blows any, yeah, the, like, sort of just regular fish out of the water. Yeah, the swordfish just tasted like, yeah. it just tasted like regular fish. I don't know. Maybe I just, hmm. maybe, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't have it cooked right or something. Yeah. Well, and then, like, the other the other one that I always, I really like is, like, fresh tuna. If, if you're, again, like, I was in San Diego, and I was at this place, and, like, right on the water, 
and they they had like the this fresh tuna um like appetizer thing that was just unreal because I think most people like think tuna and they think like the canned tuna mm-hmm. and fresh tuna is just like not even the same thing really Oh yeah well it's canned tuna is chicken right it's I mean, chicken yeah. with a is it chicken or fish bad smell yeah right but yeah so anyway, J- yeah, James Harden's recommendation for lunch buffet. Do they have like a do they have a a like early dinner special? Uh, I don't know. I haven't come. I haven't went in yet. Um, hoping to get in and uh, <laughs> maybe get an early bird, like you know, half price off something or buffet or something. But you know, we'll, we'll try it out. There you go. There you go. Um, all right, so. We are going to get into the NBA over the next six months, but I'm not ready to just cannonball in yet. Um, I'm holding on to the football. Aaron, you know me. I'm holding on to the football season as long as I possibly can, and we have this like small window where we still have like a lot of football for, for about a month, and then it's, then it's gone. Yeah, I mean, there's what, there's no reason to jump in the NBA yet. We still have the national championship, and the playoffs are starting this week. Yeah. Like, there's still too much football to talk about. Yeah. Although I will say, I... Um, I was really low on the 76ers, and so everybody that I've told that I was low on the 76ers to is now like, see, you were stupid. Oh. You're wrong. They're 6-1. Like, okay, we haven't even played okay. 10 games yet. Yeah. Like, any, like, let's slow down on uh, – yeah. I've been listening to podcasts, like some NBA podcasts like Zach Lowe and like, like big, good, like – NBA podcast yeah. with people that I respect and they're having conversations like, Oh, the Knicks are four and three. Like, is this a team that like can be pretty decent this year? Are they going to be a five? Like, let's slow down. Like, I know we're reaching for things to talk about, but just cause Orlando's five and two doesn't mean they're going to win 45 games. Right. Yeah. Also, I think a lot of teams, a lot like us feel like the NBA season just ended and they're, uh, they're, they're kind of like, pacing themselves at the start of this thing. It doesn't feel like in a normal year, the start of the NBA season doesn't feel like there's urgency, but I think that's, that's like extremely different this year where like there's just, there's no urgency whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I I think it, I think it kind of just cancels each other out because there's, there are fewer games this year, and there's a later start, but more teams are going to... There's a playing tournament this year, so more teams get in, yeah. so... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start college football, then. Um, first of all, the semifinal games. Thoughts? Thoughts on this uh, championship matchup? Were you... Were you I'll just... I'll, I'll pick the topic. How about that? After I give you the option. Uh, <laughs> were you completely <laughs> stunned that Ohio State played well? Because I wasn't. I, I thought it was going to be a good game. I picked Clemson to win, but I thought it would be a one-possession game. So, to see Ohio State show up and show that they belonged on the same football field, I think surprised a lot of people, but I, I didn't really understand why. Uh, I, I think that it probably surprised surprised people because they played so poorly uh, in that Big Ten championship game. And specifically Justin Fields, like it went from we went in a matter of two weeks, we went from uh, Fields being, you know, a overrated or excuse me, being the number two pick to being overrated to being potentially yeah. the number one pick back to being, you know, the number two pick. Yeah. But it, I, I think that Justin Fields playing so bad in that Big Ten championship game probably soured a lot of people and they thought 
if this is how he's going to play, there's no way they're going to beat Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. And he, I mean, he was spectacular in that Big Ten or in the uh, semifinal game. Which, by the way, I mean, this is like, like, why do we even watch the semifinal games? They're terrible every year. You know, there's been what? Yeah. 14 semifinal games and three have been single digit games. So like, I did the math, am I by the way, that Ohio State blew them out. No, because that's typically what happens. The average uh, margin of victory now is games 21 points. But, uh, Trey Sermon's been a big, huge. Like, I don't I, I don't know why it took. It obviously didn't matter. And I said this after the Big Ten championship game. I don't know why it took them so long to realize that Trey Sermon was by far their best back. But I guess now is the best time to figure it out. He's fresh and he's absolutely been dominant like Derrick Henry level dominant over their past two games and uh so yeah not really surprised uh disappointed once again because I just want one good semifinal game a year but I can't get that and then yeah um yeah I mean it it, in Trevor Lawrence's uh college career kind of bizarre uh he won that national championship game played amazing against Alabama when nobody expected him to win and I mean, he was like, I remember after that game, the conversations were like, oh, is he going to win two Heisman trophies the next two years? <laughs> right. He's going to win multiple national championships before he leaves Clemson. And it's not like he wasn't amazing. Both years after he won the national championship, he's been the, one of the two best quarterbacks in college football. And just, but I don't know, just the expectations probably were just a little too much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um yeah, the Justin Fields thing was funny to me, and, and I think you even brought it up that first, I think it was that first Monday, or the first time we talked after uh, the Big Ten Championship, how like he literally, in a mock draft, went from like being the number two pick to like number 10 or 11 or something just completely ridiculous like that, and some people were like dropping him, and, and I was kind of making fun of these people on Twitter during that game, but some people were dropping him to like their third or even fourth quarterback available in this draft class based on, based on that performance. I'm like, what on earth are you talking about? And I I thought it was comical. And then he plays the great game against Clemson. And then people not only like completely change their, their tune, but then like there's the discussion, should the Jaguars consider Justin Fields as the number one overall pick? So like he completely played himself out of the number two pick and potentially out of the top 10, and then back to potentially number one contention in a two-week span, which is just so ridiculous. The overreaction to me is always hilarious. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Cle- the, guy was, the guy was fantastic. Ohio State had not played a game in, what, like three or four weeks, basically, before the Big Ten championship game. Like, give them – we got to take it with a grain of salt. Like, he did play really bad, yeah. and thank God for Trey Sermon, or else Ohio State wouldn't be in the national championship game right now. But, I mean, they, they hadn't played in a month. And, it, and it, I don't know how much they were practicing, you know, on a daily basis during that period. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's fantastic. Uh, I don't think you could have went wrong. As long as Alabama won their game, I don't think you could have went wrong with a national championship matchup, whether it was Alabama and Ohio State, Alabama and Clemson, and... I mean, obviously, Alabama ended up winning. You know, Devonta Smith ended up winning the Heisman. Mac Jones was there. Like, Trevor Lawrence. Like, there's a yeah. lot of star power in this national championship game, which, um, excuse me, I said Trevor Lawrence, but Justin Fields, Ohio State won. Um, so, I, I'm excited. Like, it's the same same recipe that we always get. Like, it always ends up being the same, same thing in the national championship, right? At least in the past five years. So, uh, that's a little bit of a bummer not to see a different team there, but... 
I mean, it should be fun. At least we're going to yeah. get the two best teams. Right. Agreed. Um, I, I did think it was funny that I, I'm sure you saw it, the whole like Baker Mayfield thing about the running back coach, uh, Bullware on Twitter, yeah. and then like the Texas staff gets fired, and we'll get into that in a second. But I, a lot of that, I think, started because of the whole Trey Sermon thing, right? Uh, and the, the, you know, rumor, or I, I guess it, it's not even necessarily a rumor as much now, because I think it just kind of is um, understood that Bullware was the reason Trey Sermon left Norman. I do think it's funny, though, because like a lot of people, I, I feel like here, want to just be like, well, Ohio State, bunch of geniuses, look at what Trey Sermon is doing. Well, that's the same bunch of geniuses that basically didn't play him almost all season, and it took their starter going out for Trey Sermon to get this opportunity and have these two monster games that he's had. It's not like Ohio State has like looked at Trey Sermon at Oklahoma and was like, hey, dude, we think you're the best running back in the country. Come play for us where you're going to be the starter, and we're going we're gonna to give you the ball like 25 times a game. It took Master Teague not being available for them to to basically hand things to Trey Sermon. So I, I, I like there's this idea that Ohio State saw the value in Trey Sermon where Oklahoma didn't, and I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think Ohio State also valued him as a talented guy, but it's not like they thought he was the best option on their roster either. Now. Was the Jay Bolwer thing, was that something that was on your radar before, like, the past couple of weeks? I had heard, I mean, nothing, no details about it at all. I had just heard that there was an issue with Bolwer, but without any sort of context or, or any any well, sort that, of details related to it. So that's why, that's why you don't hire Longhorns to go coach on your OU staff. Come on, that's... You know it's a you know they're going to sabotage it. And it's <laughs> secret agent. You can't do that. But yeah. uh, I mean, look, it's not like and Trey Sermon. I mean, I thought he was I thought he was really good at OU. Like it just especially last year. Uh, you know, you watched him kind of dominate early in the season uh, in twenty twenty nineteen. God, my years are so mixed up now. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Uh, and then as the season progressed, he kind of just disappeared and it was, I, it was a little bizarre to me. It's not like they didn't have other good running back options. Like Kennedy Brooks is, right. was amazing. Roger Stevenson was amazing, but it was just kind of weird to see Trey Sermon play so well early in the season. It kind of fade away as the season went on, but, uh, I'm happy for him. I'm glad to see that he, uh, he's having success at Ohio state. He's, he's now got his own meme that went viral. So that's yeah. cool for him. Well, he went from um, being like he was never the necessarily feature guy because obviously Oklahoma had other backs, but he went many, from getting yeah. a lot of playing time and being in the rotation to basically like, and and uh, you know everybody was talking about it like, is Trey Sermon in the doghouse? Like, why did he go from being in the running back rotation to like basically not even getting those opportunities? Uh, so yeah, I I mean there was some there was some of that I think visible at the time, but. You know, again, I think it was just one of those things where uh, nobody really knew the details, but uh, you had an idea that there was something like that going on. And then the other thing, you know, again, with Trey Sermon, not that he wasn't a talented back. We always thought that Oklahoma had three really talented running backs last season. But, I, like, I'll stand by this again right now. I Trey Sermon might be the most talented guy of the group. I, I'm not disputing that. I always just felt like Kennedy Brooks' style matched Oklahoma's offense better. Yeah, I I always like to compare the way that Kennedy Brooks run. I'm not I'm not saying that he's at this level, but 
Uh, I always compared him to like Le'Veon Bell, like a, a very meticulous yeah. runner. And in that offense last year where I, I think that because you didn't really have the quarterback, you know, in the passing game, I thought that the running back needed to be a little bit more meticulous. You need mm-hmm. to be able to rely on him to get five or six yards every time he touched the ball. And I think that Kennedy Brooks, I agree. I think he probably just gave him that. He was more, just more reliable uh, on a down-to-down basis. And then Roger Stevenson, uh, I, I don't know if that was just kind of a, a, a luck thing that he ended up playing as well as he did. Um, because much like the Bullworth situation, like it's not like Kennedy, or it's not like Roger Stevenson was really on my radar last year. Right. Like I going into the season, I would have never expected him to really play. And he ended up being, I mean, he's obviously a hell of a back. He completely changed the, the dynamic of that OU offense this year by himself. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you mentioned the semifinals. Once again, not close. Uh, 21 points, Aaron, is currently the average margin of victory through 14 semifinal games. 21 points is the average. The expect So, like... Next year, we're going into these games with the expectation of three touchdown difference in these matchups. They're not close. We've only had three single-digit games, ultimately. I think it's hilarious that people say that they, they like, look at this. They look at all these blowouts in the semifinals, and they say, this is why we need expansion. We need more games to make this thing better. And... I'm like, how I, I don't understand, I guess, how that makes things better. Like, if you want to expand this thing because you want more inclusion and because you want there to be a little bit more to play for across the board, and maybe that makes the conference championship games that much more important. Maybe that makes gives a little bit more competition to the teams that aren't considered, you know, the t- top two, three, four teams in the country. Um it gives them a little bit more to play for down the stretch, even if they've lost maybe a couple games, but they still have a, a race in their conference. I don't know. I, I get the whole idea behind expansion, and I, I think I've come around to to not hating the idea of going from four to eight because for a long time I felt like I, I didn't like that at all. I felt like four was good. If you tell me that you want more inclusion and that it's going to make the regular season better to a degree, like I, I think there there is something to that, but I don't think it... If you're telling me that that makes the playoff better, I, I think that's complete BS. I, How does that make the playoff better? I think we're just delaying the inevitable, right? Like, all we're doing is adding an extra round of games before Alabama and, like, for this year, Ohio State or another year's Clemson uh, just dominates their matchups. I mean, basically what we're doing is we're adding a couple games that don't feature Alabama or Clemson. Like, a, like this year, for example, it would have been a Notre Dame-Texas uh, A&M 4-5 matchup. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, does that real, is that, is that really exciting to people? So God forbid I have to deal with a game with those two fan oh, bases. Oh, so again, for, from an inclusion standpoint, I get expanding to eight, but this idea that it, it magically makes the college football playoff better, I think is absurd. I, I I am in favor of expanding. I'm kind of on the uh, and I, this is not a train that I've seen a lot of passengers on. I think they should do six teams. I think six okay. keeps it from being oversaturated because look at look, think about the difference. Would you're looking at a situation where OU is the final team that gets in this year? Yeah. If it's eight, Cincinnati's the last team that gets in. 
So would you rather see OU, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and then the winners of those games play comes in Alabama, or would you rather play watch Alabama beat Cincinnati by 50? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. I think six would be great too. Yeah, uh, I mean, we saw Florida just. I mean, I, we I know they missed a lot of players, but we saw Florida get absolutely destroyed by OU. They would have gotten in and gotten destroyed by Clemson. It, it's not like, like you said, it's not like if we add four more teams that those four teams are going to miraculously be able to beat the top two teams right. or top three teams. Like we can't. We there's clearly a separation in those top four between like the top two and the three and four or a top three and four. Like, it's just not it. There's, there's not a level of parody in college football at this point that if you get eight teams in, it's going to be yeah. anything more than what we saw with the four teams. Yeah. It's always been that way. I mean, it, college football's never been a sport where I think we all evaluate there being like five teams that are on the same like tier if we're if every year if we're start if we start breaking down the teams and like how good they are the top tier I, I don't think I've ever felt like there were more than three teams on the top tier of college football and every once in a while in that rare year you get those three teams where you feel like hey maybe this number three team would have the opportunity and that's why ultimately they they expanded to four but since we've had this four team playoff there's not been a single year where any of us have felt like the number four team was necessarily on the same level as the elite teams. The only year that uh, the committee got bailed out was the year that Ohio State was their number four team in the first season of this thing. And obviously, Ohio State in that three-game stretch with Cardell Jones as their quarterback was clearly the most dominant team in college football, and they won the national title. But, like, there's just, there's not been a team, I think, in that four spot that you ever think is even close to the same tier as the others or, or even just the top two. Right. So last year, LSU was the one, or uh, yeah, LSU was the one seed, won the national championship. I, I would imagine that 2018, uh, that was the year Clemson won. They were, they had to have been the two seed going into that national championship. Yeah. It's like, very rarely, I mean, we've seen Oklahoma come in as a four seed multiple times and get absolutely trounced yeah. by the one seed. Um, you know, obviously they played Georgia that one year in two three matchup, and that was a good game. But like that, you're talking about that was one of three games that were decided by less than double digits in the semifinal round. So yeah, and that one like four matchup that year, outlier. I think, was uh, the Kelly Bryant Clemson team that they got destroyed, got destroyed by, by Alabama. Alabama, yeah, yeah. You can go back to 2016. Clemson destroyed Washington. Alabama, uh, or am I getting it mixed up? 2016. No, that was Clemson. Clemson beat uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma, yeah. I'm getting so mixed up. Yeah. Anyways, the point stands that it's hard to even just get a level of parity within the one through four. So, yeah, if we bring in eight, I mean, let's go 2019. Let's go back to last year. So, we're probably looking at, uh, let's see, Wisconsin versus LSU. Okay, Wisconsin's putting about three points on the board that game, maybe. Baylor against Ohio State, Oregon against Clemson, Georgia against like it's it doesn't make it just adds more teams. It doesn't necessarily give us yeah, a better exactly. chance of seeing a different champion. Yeah, I, I don't I I don't think it it does anything but delay the inevitable. 
So right. um, just puts put, it just puts kids at more risk to get injured. Like it's, I think it's unnecessary. I think it's unnecessary. It's not like they're struggling for money. Yeah. In this playoff system. Yeah. It, like again, if if you want to say like every like especially all five power conferences deserve the opportunity to like every team that conference deserves to know that they can reasonably get into a postseason by winning their conference. Like, I get that. And if you want to, like, throw a group of five team as the next group, even though I would argue that um, there's there's very little chance that uh, a group of five is going to beat an Alabama. But, that, you know, whatever. That, that's, why, that's why I say six. Yeah. The five, the power five conference winners get in, and there's one at large. It could be a, it could be a group of five team. It could be uh, a power, like, just whatever. It varies from year to year, but if you win your conference, you automatically get in, and then we don't have to muddy up the yep. waters with, you know, three large bids. Here's the problem. No matter where you draw the line, people are going to be upset. Like, there's, I mean, it, I said when they went to four that this argument was going to, you know, in a normal year in the BCS, we were arguing, arguing for the number three team, and most years there wasn't really an argument. Like I said, every once in a while, there would be a third team in the mix that we felt like could give one of those top two teams a run, uh, but it wasn't a regular thing. And then we went to four, and I was like, the, the argument now is just going to be for the fourth team that's in, not necessarily for the team that is as good as the elite teams in college football. And that's exactly what we have. We like, we've spent a week or two weeks arguing Notre Dame, Texas A&M, or Cincinnati, or even Oklahoma for some, in that four spot, but like Notre Dame got blown out by Alabama, A and M got blown out by Alabama earlier in the season, and Cincinnati just got beat by a team that Alabama blew out. Like, who deserved that spot? Like, from a reasonable, they're going to give Alabama a game standpoint. There's just not th- nobody. I mean, nobody in that conversation. Oklahoma, honestly, I think would have given them the best game, but they lost right, two and games, and the regular season, quote unquote, has to matter. So. Uh, yeah, it's funny. If we I, go to six, though, like, I'll just give you a, an example of this. Like, Georgia just beat Cincinnati, right? Nobody is going to make the the statement that Georgia should be in at the with the at-large over Cincinnati if we were in a six-team format right now. But Georgia just beat them. Or what happens in a year where the group, the, your best group of five is like 10-2 and two Miami, Ohio? Do they automatically get a bid? Yeah, I mean, at least you're only dealing with one team. I mean, I, yeah, I, you're right. Like, it, there's just no, there's there's no reasonable solution to this. Like, it's, but that's college football. College yeah. football has always been. There's always going to be people upset. Right. There's only one fan base that's not going to be upset. And you know, I, I can't, God, I can't even imagine what it was like when the national championship was just decided by an AP vote. I I remember like '97 watching uh, Michigan play Washington State in the Rose Bowl. And then I think it was Nebraska-Miami in, like, the Orange Bowl. And they both win their games, and then you just have to be like, okay, split national championship. Right. I mean, at least we're not doing that. Like, that just sounds <laughs> sounds way worse. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's how we end up with Colorado kind of winning a national championship. Right. Like, okay, well... They're not going to play each other, but no. we think they're the two best teams. So, I get you know what I Go guess champs. to be fair, that's the only way that Texas A&M was able to win their national championships. So, true, you know, 
That's why they have like 27 national probably. titles, right? Right. Yeah, ridiculous. They don't uh, – so Oklahoma has uh, – they have some unclaimed national championships. Uh, Texas A&M by no means was going to deny a national championship, even if it came from Vogue. Yeah. By the way, how about the Aggies, man? They beat North Carolina. They, they really made a statement in that game showing that they deserve to be in the conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's sarcasm, by the way. Yeah. The, uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the running backs didn't play for North Carolina, right? Both or running did backs. they both play? Neither both one played. of them. Oh, they yeah. just – oh, neither one of them played. No, no, neither one oh. of them played. Oh, okay. They both well, opted out. Okay, well, yeah, okay. That's like Texas A&M. That didn't count. Well, look, like, I think it still counts. I think you got to give them credit for winning the game, but, like, I... No, I don't. I don't... If you can't... If it was was another team, I would give them credit, but I don't need to give Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M credit. Fair enough. Fair enough. If you can't physically dominate your opponent, though, especially when they're without players, then, you know, I think it's hard to, to say that they're one of the elite teams in the country, that they deserve to be in that same group with Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State like no you don't you you didn't dominate a matchup against a team that was I mean Oklahoma did exactly what they should have done against a team that that wasn't um you know 100% that didn't have all their pieces now would the game with Oklahoma and Florida be closer if if Florida had all those guys Uh, yeah for sure I mean those guys make a difference but would it have changed the outcome I don't think it would have because Oklahoma physically on the line of scrimmage dominated the Gators on both sides of the football. So uh, that, you know, with, with the A&M North Carolina game, North Carolina was in a similar situation as Florida where they're losing, they were missing some like key skill position guys, but like on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football, it was, you know, both teams went into that matchup um, at basically as, as themselves. And like, I don't, it, I didn't, I didn't feel like either team was dominant there. Yeah, A&M was down with 10 minutes left in that game. Yeah. Like, yeah. you see that they won by seven or by 17, yeah, or 16, whatever. I don't, my math's terrible, 15. Uh, but, yeah, it, they scored some touchdowns very late in the game to separate that game. But it was, it was it was tied until there was three and a half minutes left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, they definitely uh, – A&M fans are going to hang a banner, though. Right. Top five finish. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to me. I mean, again, I think the majority of the country kind of argued that fourth spot for Notre Dame, A&M, or Cincinnati. And, like, it, it, my whole point is, like, who cares? What does it really matter? Yeah, like, matter. regardless of which one of those three teams got that spot, it doesn't really change anything. Alabama dominated you- Notre Dame. They had already dominated A&M, and I think it would have been a similar outcome uh, if they had played a second time. And then again, I think they would have dominated Cincinnati. Cincinnati lost to a team that Alabama dominated. <laughs> like, Did you see the, uh, the video that went kind of viral of the Notre Dame fan watching the college football playoff selection show? And just like as yeah. soon as they announced the Ohio State-Clemson matchup and she knew it was Alabama, she just immediately like, knew that they had no chance. It was yep. just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, like, even come, like, even if, like, you you know, like, there's just, you knew there was no way Notre Dame was beating Alabama. And I feel pretty comfortable saying that Notre Dame was probably one of the 
top six teams in the country. And I don't think there's much of a difference between right Notre, uh, Notre Dame, A&M, and Cincinnati. Exactly. Like, I, I, I agree with you. I think yeah. Notre Dame was one of the top five or six teams in the country. The problem is the gap from number one to number five is just pretty drastic. So I think I think I think right now at this point in the season now, I mean, it's obviously almost over, but like going into the bowl games, I would say Oklahoma was probably the fourth or fifth best team. But like you said, yeah. they, they screwed things up early in the season. And yeah, so like they ruined their chance. Yeah, I literally did did a podcast like the week before the conference championships. And I'm like, look, what do we want here? If we want the best four teams, then I think Oklahoma's in that group. But if, if you know, it's, it's uh, most deserving and record has to matter and losses have to matter and what happens on the football field has to matter, then, I mean, the three teams you're talking about, it, it doesn't really matter who the committee picks. None of those teams are going to give give Alabama a good game. And, like, people are upset and want to blame the committee for us not having good semifinal games. But, like, nobody plays Alabama any closer. I, like, I, I, I just don't – I refuse to believe that all of a sudden – magically A&M is going to show up the second time against Alabama and be drastically better. I think it's a similar outcome. I refuse to believe that Cincinnati, when they just got beat by Georgia, was going to be so excited to play Alabama that they just are magically eight touchdowns better. Like, that's just, that's not going to happen. The gap from number one to number four is just drastic, and that's the bottom line. Don't be mad at the committee. Be mad at the sport. I mean, the sport is, is ultimately... You know that that that's what's responsible. There's a massive gap between the best con- best team in the country and the fourth best team in the country. Yeah, and I don't. It's not going to change like anytime soon. Like it's it's how it's always going to be because it's just there's not a, a level playing field for those teams that aren't that like dominant to get the top players. Yeah, like you might have a you might have a, a year a random year where a team like LSU is able to put it together and dominate. But then we see it this year. Like I know they lost a lot of dudes, but I mean, it's going to be another two or three years probably before they're close to even competing for the national championship. But Alabama and Clemson consistently just get the top dudes every year. Like Trevor Lawrence is leaving and they've got another Heisman contender quarterback ready to go. And I, you know, the difference has been that they, the one thing they haven't been able to, to uh, recoup is they just haven't been able to get that, the defensive line back to where it was when they won the national championship. But I mean, we still see them dominate every week. They, the only reason they lost a game this year uh, in the regular season is because Trevor Lawrence didn't play. I mean, it's probably the only reason yeah. he didn't win the Heisman, honestly, it's because he had COVID kept him from playing a couple of games. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, how do you feel about the we- Alabama Ohio state game? I- I'm intrigued. Uh, I think that Alabama still wins. Uh, I just, I mean, we, we talked about it before, like with the SEC mat- championship game, like it's just Alabama's offense has so many weapons and it's just like, I, pick your poison. Like you, you're not going to stop Najee Harris, Mac Jones and Devonte Smith. Like the, the receiver won the Heisman. Like that should tell you just how, how dominant and how many weapons that offense has. The fact that the receiver was the one that won the Heisman. And then, you know, I mean, their defense is going to be good regardless. Like they're, they might give up some points to Ohio state, but I just, even as good as Ohio State's defense is, I think that Alabama's offense this year is just far and away superior to any defense that they could possibly play in college football. That 
unless Mac Jones just completely collapses mentally, I just I can't see a way yeah. that Alabama loses this game. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Ohio State and the performance they had against Clemson have given people maybe a little bit of false hope about like how good this national title game is going to be. Because just like maybe people, I think, saw how bad Ohio State was against Northwestern and thought that would carry over against Clemson, I think people on the opposite side saw how good they were against Clemson and think that's naturally going to carry over against Alabama. I mean, this is so much about matchups. And the only place I really felt like Clemson wasn't great was their offensive line. And the Ohio State defensive line just dominated, right? I mean, Trevor Lawrence had pressure all night long. Uh, They were never able to run the football. Trevor Lawrence was never able to throw the football. Uh, The Ohio State defensive line, I I think, was ultimately the winner there. Alabama has the best offensive line in the country. No part of me believes that Ohio State is going to be even close to replicating that sort of performance against this Alabama offensive line. So again, Najee Harris is going to have more success than Etienne did. Mac Jones is going to have more time to throw the football. Where Ohio State's weak is the secondary. Mac Jones is going to have time to throw the ball to those Alabama receivers and take advantage of that matchup. I do, however, think that if Justin Fields is healthy, the Alabama defense can be scored on against this Ohio State offense. I think Ohio State has enough weapons with Trey Sermon and guys like Chris Olave and Justin Fields' skill set that I think Ohio State can score on Alabama. So I think it has to be a shootout if it's going to be close because you're just not going to get I, – I don't I don't believe you're going to get the same defensive performance from Ohio State against Alabama. So I, we'll see. I, I, I think that you could try and approach it if you're Ohio State the same way that an NFL team would approach playing Pat Mahomes and the, the Chiefs is – you know, try and just be more physical and keep the offense off the field. But, like, I, I, I don't know that Alabama couldn't just score a touchdown in four plays every time they have the ball. Right. And I'm, and I'm not – Ohio State's defense isn't bad. I just, like, I really just think that Alabama's offense is just so far superior, like I said, to every, every other defensive unit in the country. I mean, they had three players finished top five of the Heisman. And yeah. I know it was a weird – it was yeah. an odd year – uh, with the Heisman and everything, but like, I five three dudes in the top five, like it. That's it's unreal, uh, dominant playmaking from three different guys that you can rely on. Like, if one's not there, like you have two other dudes that can absolutely dominate a game. Uh, yeah, well, and again, their offensive line is also just right, incredible. They can they're they're good in the run game. They're good in the pass game. Um, those aren't the only weapons either. That Jalil Billingsley, the tight end, is uh, he just makes huge plays every week because nobody accounts for him because you're so worried about Najee Harris and Devontae Smith. I think John Mechie is a guy that a year from now is going to be in this same conversation that we've had with Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy. And like, he's a, he's a stud too. Um, they may even get Jalen Waddle back on Monday night, which is mind blowing to think about. Yeah, uh, I hope it's a good game. In the national championship games, typically have been really good matchups and good games. Like, I'm trying to think back, like how many of the national championship games were just not, were just just from an entertainment standpoint, not that entertaining. The first one, Ohio State handled Oregon pretty easily. They did, but from a score standpoint, it didn't really get out of hand until late. Like the fourth quarter, it was still a good game, and then in the fourth quarter, Ohio State just kind of like dominated down the stretch. 
Clemson, when they beat uh, Trevor Lawrence's national championship, Clemson yep. dominated Alabama that game. Yep. Last year was Last a, year, LSU dominated. Was a, yeah. That was, man, I had high hopes for that. That was, uh, yeah. I thought that would be a fun game. Uh, Georgia, Alabama was a great game. Yeah, overtime. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, the Alabama Clemson matchup, back to back. Yeah, both of those were great. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Deshaun Watson one with uh, with Hunter Renfro yeah. winning game winning catch. That was that. Was, I think that was probably the best national championship game in college football uh, playoff history. But yeah, I mean, so there's a decent chance. Like at least we're not going into it expecting it to be a twenty point difference. Right. More. Uh, what? Let me, let me ask you something. What was more surprising? Uh, the fact that both semifinal games were a blowout or the fact that Texas wasn't able to hire Bill Belichick or Nick Saban? <laughs> uh, uh, Nick Saban, for sure. <laughs> right. Uh, it's Texas. They can get anybody they, they get want. Whoever I mean, they, they want. They, I, they got their number one choice out of every coach in the world. Dude, I was dying on... What day was that? What I, I don't even remember. The days are so Friday off to me. Friday or Saturday, but yeah. Whatever day that was, that the news breaks, that they fired Herman... And that they were gonna hire Sark, game. and then there was like a three or four hour window that day where, like, I think it was David Pollock had had said, "I heard this is off and it's not happening," and like Texas became a giant joke, like eat more so, I guess. Uh, good lord, what a disaster! Although I would say this, I I do think it's a good hire. I guess, I mean I guess I. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a low it's a it's a low risk high reward hire. Like right. he's, if 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 he fails, nobody's gonna care because right. he's already failed at a, at a big program before. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Like was, I think it's one of those deals where, like from a from a money standpoint, to pay twenty five million dollars to to let a coaching staff go to bring in this new coaching staff that doesn't make any sense to me. But if we're just talking about the football part of it. Like I, Tom Herman, I think had had really gone about as far as he was going to go. I just I yeah. I don't think it was going to get any better with Tom Herman. I think what we saw over the last four years is what they were going to be. So I know that some people say like this is kind of a lateral move. I feel like it's a it's a slight slightly better move. I I feel like if I, I if I were given the choice, I would take Sark over Herman. Uh, but look, it, a lot of this also is just again. The image of Texas with Tom Herman, I think, was it was what it was going to be. It wasn't changing anymore. Like there wasn't all this potential ahead. I think like we had kind of, the dust had kind of settled, and we evaluated it for what it really was. So, um, not that Sark is going to do a better job, but I think once again, if you're Texas, you can sell the idea of hey, like the the future is bright versus you know the Tom Herman era where it was just like this is this is who they are. I, I think the biggest reason they, they needed to get Herman out out of there, and I and I do I think that hiring Tom Herman when they hired him was the right move. Like he was arguably the hottest commodity in college football at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, with what he did at Houston, I mean, he got a five star kid. He got Ed Oliver to come to yeah. Houston. Like that, you would assume like he seemed to be a pretty good recruiter. And he was winning games, beat OU. Like he was the he was the I think he was a good hire and the right hire at the time. But I think over the last four years we have seen that. There's been culture issues there. Uh, for like, why why is it that they can get up and play so well in bowl games against good opponents, but no show for four games in the regular season? Like, there's there's no no excuse for that. Like, 
if there's it should be the opposite. You should be showing up every game in the regular season. The bowl game should be the game that you struggle to show up for. Uh, so for whatever reason, like he's, he's they've lost what like fifteen or sixteen games in his tenure yeah. during the regular season, and they're three and zero in the four bowl no. games. Like Tom Herman went four zero no in yeah. bowl games. Yeah, yeah. Like now, I think like three of those wins were like Alamo Bowl wins, but you know. Well, still, they beat Georgia. <laughs> they were back. Yeah, the Georgia game. Yeah, give them credit for the Georgia game. Uh, uh, but still, I mean, they're still, they're winning the bowl games. Yeah. Um, my problem is though, and I don't know where you're at with this, but I'm starting to get really annoyed just by the whole sentiment of it is let's move on from getting the, uh, the Nick Saban and Bill Belichick rub, like just because a guy was on the staff of Nick Saban or worked in new England. Like that doesn't mean that they're going to be good on their own that we need to go hire. Like I am beyond frustrated right now that the tie, the Texans hired uh Cassiero as their GM. Cause it's just, right. we did this. Like they, they already did that. They just went through a whole right. half decade trying to be the Patriots. And we're going to keep doing it. Deshaun Watson agrees with you, by the way. Yeah. Did you see his it's tweet? It's ridiculous. Like, yes, same thing. It's the same thing over and yeah. over. It, it's frustrating. And I'm sure that Josh McDaniels will be the head coach next year. So that's fun. Uh, but as far as Texas goes, I, I mean, what, what is, what is Steve Sarkeesian going to learn being with Nick Saban for a couple years? This is going to make him significantly better, a significantly better coach than what he was at USC. Probably not much. Well, I think just overcoming and, his own demons makes him a better coach than well, sure. what he was at USC. Like he was a guy at Washington yeah. that, that was considered to be a future coaching star. And then obviously like, Here's the other thing. The guy knows football. Like, no, we, we can't debate that the guy doesn't know football. He's a good football guy. But there have been a lot of football guys. Like, Lane Kiffin, I think, is a good example of this. A lot of football guys that aren't necessarily good CEOs. Maybe Tom Herman's an, an example of this as well. Good football guy that maybe isn't a great CEO. I, I think Sark kind of started to show us that he had some of that at Washington. The problem was his off-the-field issues derailed the whole thing at USC. Yeah. And it was a complete disaster. Now, is that something to worry about? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know what he's like off the field. But if he's overcome the issues that, uh, you know, the off the field issues that prevented him from having success at USC, then maybe it works out. Yeah, it, it was a little. I mean, obviously, Texas had this planned out for weeks now because they fired Herman the day after they won the bowl game. So clearly it didn't matter. Yeah. What happened in that bowl game? He was gone, and they had Sarkeesian lined up because they announced it the same day that he was hired. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I trust Texas and they're the people that make these decisions to make the right decisions because Not we've seen all. an enti- entire decade where they went from being perennial national championship contenders and winning the Big 12 title uh, basically like every other year, just swapping with OU – to being terrible like they have not been good in a decade yeah. and they have not been able to like we spent the first five years six years watching them not be able to find a good quarterback and they finally you know feel how you will about sam ellinger but he's by far the best quarterback they've had since colt mccoy right and they couldn't capitalize they couldn't take advantage of his time there and he gave them 40 years basically of his of his life uh on that field so i i, I think that it doesn't really matter who you bring in as coach unless if you're not going to give him like 10 years, because I yep. think that they need a long, it's going to take a long time for them to return where Texas fans want them to be. I agree. 
I agree. But again, you have to start somewhere. And I just, I, I think that I, I'm not saying that Sark is going to come in and, and get Texas back. That's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm just saying it, I think we all can evaluate that as it wasn't going to happen with Tom Herman. So if you know, it's not going to happen no, with the guy not. that you have in place, then you have to make a move. Like it, otherwise you're just, you're going to waste the next six years and it's just going to be a longer rebuild. So again, I, I, I'm not saying that Sark is going to get them back, but we know that Herman wasn't going to get them back. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any argument for keeping Herman. I think there's probably a dozen well, the money. The money thing hired. to me is the only argument. Like, to me, it's crazy to spend that much money for a guy to not do his job. But again, if you have the money and right. you want to win and that's what's important, then they made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Texas money's not no right. issue to Texas. Right. Like, who, they print money down on the Longhorn Network. Crazy. How about, uh, did you see the rumor that uh, initially, I guess, that he could bring Mike Stoops with him? I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> what? They, they, that is another thing. Like, is somebody, the Board of Regents or whoever makes these decisions at Texas, he'd be like, look, dude, I know that he was like a analyst or like a special like assistant or yeah. like, you know, assistant to the regional manager <laughs> right. uh, at Alabama, but come on. Like, we got to make better hires than that. Like, that's just immediately putting the wrong foot forward if you're trying to rebuild this th- situation yeah. in Texas because it's, I mean, it, it, you know, maybe we're a little biased because we watch Mike Stoops so much at OU. Right. But, I mean, come on. Here's like, the crazy part. With the, with the conference kind of returning to being as balanced as it's been and not the pass-happy league that Mike Stoops really struggled against and seeing that the SEC is kind of becoming the offensive league that Mike Stoops couldn't defend, I actually thought, like, this would actually make more sense for Mike Stoops. Not that not that I, if you're Texas, you would want him, but I thought from a schematic standpoint, it would actually make more sense for Mike Stoops to make that move. I- because he, he doesn't defend I mean, he, the pass-happy offense as well at all, and that's what the SEC is going to, and the Big 12 is moving toward back toward the middle. I mean, if you're Mike Stoops, it, I, any move is the right move. Like, right now, <laughs> yeah. he's just like... Right, right. He's like that's sitting fair. outside Pete Golding's office, like, answering phone calls, like, to go back to being the D.C. at a program, especially yeah. if it's one at the level of Texas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would take that in a second by Mike Stoops. Yeah. Um... Th- uh, Will Muschamp apparently turned down the job yesterday. The DC, the DC job, job, position. Yeah. Well, he spent enough time in Texas. He went yeah. from. Uh, it's it's weird to think about how different the world of college football would be if Muschamp just would have stuck it out. Yeah. At Texas, because I mean, he was he was the coach in waiting, right? Like he yes. had the job. They were just waiting for Mac Brown to leave, and he, for whatever reason, had to get out of there immediately and go to Florida and. That was a disaster. Not, I mean, I don't blame them. Like, it's not. I don't know that Florida and Texas. Like, if you got a, a position immediately, you don't want to wait. That and it's Florida. That fine, but I mean, it could have been a completely different world. I mean, I don't know. Probably wouldn't have been because he's proven that he's not that good of a coach anyway. So, right. I was told that, and this was back like ten years ago, that the whole must champ as the coach and waiting thing was the beginning of the end for that football program because. I guess as far as the higher-ups, the people in control, uh, and then we, even within the coaching staff, it kind of divided everybody into the like Mac Brown camp and then the Will Muschamp camp because there were certain people that became aligned with Will Muschamp because he was going to be the guy with the power in the future, but there were some yeah. maybe disagreements between 
Mac Brown and Will Muschamp about how things should be handled, and then it just like created this divide where people kind of like uh, took their side, and that was where the like fracture began, and then it all just kind of like tumbled uh, apart. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like if you work at a job and the, you know that your your man your boss put in his two weeks. And you know who the new boss is going to be? Are you? Which one do you right. listen to? Exactly. If if, like, if the new, if the guy that you know is about to be gone is like, hey, do this. Like, are, are you going to do you're it? Leaving in a week? No. Yeah. yeah, I'm not doing that. Right. And look, and, and the other guy yeah. is like winking behind him, like, hey, I'm the next boss. Don't worry about it. Right. Like, yeah, it's okay. I don't care if you uh, go out and get drunk tonight. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do. But yeah. And look, I I think that we're seeing that Mac Brown is. I, I think he's proven that and if you had any doubts from his tenure at Texas where he was amazing, like he's doing a really good job at North Carolina. Like I think that it's proven that he's a good coach and he can Texas's recruit his ass are, off. I, yeah. Texas's issues are it takes two seconds to realize the the head coach is the issue right now. Yeah. For the last decade since Mac Brown left. Yeah. And I know that there were a couple of years where he was still there and they were struggling and I, you know, equate that to that national championship game against Alabama where they got, they lost and he immediately decided he wanted to play sec style football for a year. <laughs> yeah. And it was a disaster with Garrett Gilbert, who was brought in playing the exact offense that they played for years before that right. with success with Colt McCoy. Right. And then they put him under center and run the eye formation. And then that sucks for a year. And then they go back to, I think that Mac Brown definitely uh, shot, shot that program in the foot with those last couple of years. But I mean, they've had eight years to recover. Yeah. They're doing exactly what they want to do schematically. They just, they're not winning. Right, right. Speaking of uh, coaching jobs, there are six openings in the NFL. Have you, uh, have you, have you uh, kind of like in your mind gone through which of these you think is the best? I assume I know uh, your number one answer. I, I think that the number one, I think the best job is easily LA. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought you'd say. And I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, Right, they they've got a, a stud quarterback that's going just finished his rookie year. Like they're stacked at uh, that's a good roster. The ball with skilled teams, yeah. Like injuries have been a huge issue for the Chargers the, for the past few years. But I mean, they've got Joey Bosa, Derwin James, uh, Kenneth Murray. Actually, was he he struggled at times, but he like he's decent. Like he's yeah. got a lot of potential. Um, Melvin Ingram, like they've got dudes on defense. They've got good cornerbacks uh offense obviously got herbert keenan allen is a top five receiver in the league mike williams was really good this year mike williams yeah Yeah. and they had a bunch of like no-name dude receivers that were catching passes and making plays for for justin herbert like i think that easily is the best job and i think anthony lynn outside of adam gates was probably the worst coach in the nfl this year i think he was absolutely terrible and good on them for firing him i think they are absolutely stupid for wanting to bring in jason garrett for an interview if that rumor is true I have no hope for them making the right decision as a head coach. But I think that's easily the best job. I mean, yeah. the quarterback's position is just there. Houston would be a good job because they have Deshaun Watson, but they have no draft picks. They have no they have no capital in the future right now that I don't think it's a good job because we've watched Deshaun Watson have one of the best years as a quarterback. Yeah. Like, he finished second – he had the second highest yards per completion with a – completion percentage over like 70% in a season or 69% or something like that. And he was the only one that didn't win at least 12 games in the top five. Yeah. He was incredible. Like, all he year was long. Ama- yeah. Yeah. Throwing to nobodies. 
Like Will Fuller, Will Fuller missed half the season basically because of PEDs. Brandon Cooks was, I mean, he was good, but like Brandon Cooks is not going to be the number one receiver on the on twenty other teams. Yeah, like he was good. So like I think that if you like the quarterback, that's a good job. But they have no capital in the future. Uh, I think Jacksonville has potential to be good because you know you have that number one pick. You're getting Trevor Lawrence. They've got some good young players on both sides of the ball. I don't think they have any of those like difference maker guys just yet, or at least they haven't shown to be difference makers, but you got to love that number one pick. Um, who, what other jobs are there? New York. I think New York's a shitty position to be put in. Yeah. Um, you right, so you've got the, decide what, I'll give you the, cause I, I just went through it real quick yesterday. Here are the jobs okay. that are open and their current quarterback situation, as well as their draft situation for, for this year. So obviously the Jags, they have the number one pick, the Jets, they have Sam Darnold and the number two pick. The Lions have, or the Falcons have Matt Ryan and the number four pick. The Lions have Matt Stafford and the number seven pick. And then obviously you have the two teams we just mentioned with the the quarterbacks in place with the Chargers and Justin Herbert and the Texans and Deshaun Watson. I think that Detroit's definitely in the worst position because you're probably immediately coming in and Matthew Stafford's probably getting traded. Yeah. By all by all accounts, it seems like he's done. Um Apparently, from from what I was listening to, uh, he's always been kind of reserved with the media, but like for the past few weeks, it's been kind of like a a kumbaya, like farewell type thing with the Detroit media. Yeah, and like he's it, he like they owe it to him to get him out of there because he's dedicated so much time and you know blood, sweat, and tears. And throw out that cliche to to Detroit, not really done anything or has been reciprocated for the way he's played. So I think that you're probably dealing with a whole new situation in Detroit. Uh, Atlanta, I think Atlanta's got potential to be a good team next year because they just have like... I think the foundation is there. Obviously, you're going to have to like, again, consider the next guy after Matt Ryan, which again, you have the number four pick to to potentially do that. Or, I mean, I I don't know what they decide to do there. Um, But, you know, Matt Ryan's kind of like, I think a year... Or two away from being what we're seeing with guys like Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger, and yeah. like he still has a little bit more left than those guys. But uh, I think you have to start kind of like evaluating if there's a guy available at number four that is the guy. I think you have to go. Yeah, it, which would be the kid from BYU. Yeah, Zach Wilson. If yeah. they want to take him that high, because I, as much as Bleacher Report would like you to think that Justin Herbert could be anywhere from one to fifty fields, he's not going to fall past two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fields. Do I say Herbert? Yeah. Justin Although, Fields. look, Aaron, uh, we're we're also giving the Jets the uh, benefit of the doubt, of the doubt that they're not going to screw yeah. that number two pick up. So, like, that's fair. While I think Justin Fields is the no-brainer, should be number two pick in the draft. If it were anybody but maybe the Jets or who else would would potentially screw that up. Um, I don't know the Jets. Uh, I don't. I, I'm just. Yeah. I think it should be Justin Fields. But if the Jets were to be like, I don't know, uh, Greg Russo, defensive end, Miami, I would be like, oh, okay, they screwed it up. That makes sense. The 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 Jets actually like. I made fun of them for a long for like the past few weeks that like the Jets are so bad that they couldn't even lose games when they needed to. Right. But I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to be beneficial for them to finish with the two pick because there's like if whoever if Justin Fields is terrible, 
nobody can really say anything because it's not like they had the one pick and chose a guy over the other. Like they just got this. They got the leftovers. Yeah. It's not like Trubisky and the Bears were like you had right. everybody at your disposal and you picked the wrong guy. Like if Deshaun Watson sucked, like Texas fans were like, well, you know, Trubisky and Mahomes were already off the board. Right. He was the right pick. So I think the Jets got lucky. Actually, you know, it ended up with the two picks. So I don't know. But I think Detroit sucks. New York Jets, that's a that's a terrible job. I think Houston and Atlanta are mid-tier, like, have some positives but also have a lot of negatives. And then I think Jacksonville and L.A., like, those are both jobs that I would be claiming over. Yeah. Have you seen the Urban Meyer to Jacksonville rumors? <laughs> Yeah, it, are we just at a point where like, we just attach Urban Meyer to every available job? I, I saw a I saw a, a tweet or a rumor, whatever you want to call it, that he was wanting like fifteen or twenty million dollars a year to take the Jags job. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I think Urban Meyer is I, he is a great football coach, but I would not want to bring him into my program at this point because he's he's just got a track record of just destroying it and leaving. And it's the NFL, so it's a little different. Like they don't. I don't know that he could do that to an NFL team, to an NFL, you know, program or whatever you want to call it, organization. But I don't, I don't know that I want to take that chance on him. I'd rather bring in somebody like Eric Bieniemy or or um, Arthur Smith or like Greg Roman or like give me somebody, an offensive guy that's going to come in there and be a little bit more proactive and revolutionary than Urban Meyer. Yeah, I'm not sold on on him going to the NFL. If I mean, I if he were to get a college job, I just assume that they're going to be really good in like two years and maybe win a national championship. And then in five years, they're going to be um, without Urban Meyer. Banned ban from bowl games because <laughs> yeah. he hired some serial killer to yeah. be a special teams coach. But like I saw, there was a rumor that LA was interested in him. I think there was a Detroit rumor. Like, I, I think it's just at this point, uh, if there's a job opening, like we're all obligated to just attach Urban Meyer to that job. The Chargers are just trying to, they're just trying to, the Chargers don't want to win. They're connected with Urban Meyer and Jason Garrett. Yeah. Like, we don't know. Urban Meyer could be good in the NFL. We don't know. I know Jason Garrett's not good in the NFL, though. Yeah. Although he did beat the Cowboys on Sunday, so. <sighs> I was getting real nervous, man. I was Cowboys. getting real nervous in that game. That was the best thing that Jason Garrett ever did for Dallas. Absolutely. Yeah. God, I was like, by the way, what are they doing? What are they doing? There, there's been a lot of uh, people on. I, I've heard arguments from both sides of the fence. How did you feel about Doug Peterson pulling Jalen Hurts? If you're gonna, okay, I, I think it's it's first fair to just understand that Jalen Hurts was not playing well in that game. That's that's absolutely a fair criticism. He was not playing well. But if you're gonna try and sell me that. Doug Peterson legitimately thought that Nate Sudfeld gave them the best chance to win. I think you're full of shit. What? Yeah, and like, okay, so like if Peterson's going into that game saying, all right, we're going to get Sudfeld in because we need to see what we've got in him. He's been on the team for three years. Week 17 of his third year is yeah. the game where you're like, you know what, this kid, let's see what he got. Yeah. Let's see, and like, it's not, that's not the case. I think, I think what it was, was... He absolutely was trying to lose that game. Yeah. I, uh, Peterson was. I think that there was a report that came out. I don't know if it was Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon or evening that 
Carson Wentz was going to ask for a trade and that his relationship with Peterson was uh, fractured and at this point was unrepairable. And it kind of just felt like he was spitting in the face of Carson Wentz a little bit. I don't know if he's that spiteful, but it it's not a good look for Peterson. At the end of the day, I don't think it would have mattered. I mean, I guess if you're the Giants, you could argue that it mattered, but they lost 10 games. Like, you lose 10 or 11 games. Like, that's right. on you. Right. But I think it was a spit in the face of fans for sure. Like, nobody wanted to watch Nate Suffield. Like, even if Jalen Hurts was struggling, like, yeah. he's going to be the quarterback next year. Like, let's let's watch Let's let him play some more. Get him more experience. Yeah, I just I refuse to believe that Doug Peterson thought this guy gives us the better chance to win. Like that, it, I just I don't believe that whatsoever. But like, if you want to tell me that Jalen Hurts wasn't playing well, like he wasn't, yeah, that's fair. I that's totally fair. He was not playing well. Um, I I mean I think the out the outcome doesn't change. I think either way. I think the Eagles lose either way. But uh, I think it just kind of was like you said, a slap in the face, so to speak, to be like, okay, we're just going to kind of like guarantee this happens and go to this guy. Yeah. And this the stupid part of it was, really at the end of the day for me, is if it was a situation where Philly lost, they went to like this, the ninth pick to like the second pick or the third pick or first pick, fine, but they went from nine to six. Like, I don't know. I I've been uh, learning a little bit about Doug Peterson over the past month, and I'm starting to think he's kind of a douchebag. I mean, he wrote a book after they won their Super Bowl. Well, okay, so he wins a Super Bowl, and he already has a book. He already has a memoir, like a a biography, like memoir that came out. Strike while the iron's hot, Aaron. Well, sure, but like, okay. You've been a coach for like two years. You're going to write a book now because you won one Super Bowl? Okay, come on. Well, I mean, do Uh, do you want to buy a Doug Peterson book today? No, exactly. You got to strike while the iron's hot. I don't want to buy it after he wins the Super Bowl. (laughs) Uh, There was uh, so he does a radio hit in Philadelphia and I I listened to an NFL podcast and they brought this up, but he does a weekly NFL hit on a, on a local show in Philadelphia. And uh, there was a week where he just completely lost his shit on the host because the host kind of baited him into some like, some question about Carson Wentz and the quarterback position. And he just like started yelling at the host and like losing his crap. Douche move. Like they're yeah. paying you to come on to that radio show. Like the host was being a douche for sure as well. But like, keep it together. Doug Peterson, like let's not keep your loser cool. And then he does this on Sunday where like, yeah, he, he's trying to pretend like Nate Sudfeld was anything better than the third string quarterback for the last three years. Right. It's we all know. Thank God for Nick Foles saving his job for giving him a long yeah. leash in Philadelphia. Yeah, right? we all know what's going on there. And look, I mean, there, I think some people are like, just admit that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Okay, you can't. Nobody admit. cares. Like, well, I I do think I, there I are think people that would care. I think if 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 there were a coach that just came out and said like, yes, we were trying to lose, I think a lot of people would care. Like, I think that would be the headline of every sports talk show in the country because we all say we want honesty, but when somebody actually admits to trying to lose, then everybody's going to turn on them. So, like, we we all understand that he's trying to lose, but I think once you admit it and you make that public knowledge, you know, especially in a football situation versus, like, an NBA situation where 
you know, they're just so different. Um, they were going to lose anyway, though. Well, no, I, I get that. I'm just saying, I, I think in football, the mentality I, of... I, I get the sentiment. That yeah, you like, I think he would just be... Game. He would be crucified. Yeah, I... Like, I you can do the whole the, process thing like Philly did in the NBA. But the gap in, in the NFL is just not nearly what it is in the NBA, and I, I, I don't think it would go over well. I think people would be furious if you actually admitted to that. Yeah, probably. I mean, he, he probably would make it very difficult for him to get another head coaching job yeah. to know that he was openly trying to lose games. But, right. I mean, you could be, look, you could be on, there's two ends of the stick. You could be Doug Peterson throwing in Nate Sutfeld to lose a game and, you know, do whatever you're doing with there. Or you could be uh, Sean McDermott and hang a 50 burger on the Dolphins. To just, <laughs> just bury them 30 feet under the ground as they barely miss the playoffs. Uh, are you surprised that so many people are like pulling the plug on Tua? He's, I think for sure. Brian, I think Brian Flores had, he was amazing this year. Like the Dolphins were significantly better than anybody yeah. expected them to be this year. And he is, if he doesn't win coach of the year, I think he's probably second or third for coach of the year. But I think that the damning decision that kept Miami out of the playoffs was not just sticking with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who showed as they played the seesaw, like teeter totter, like back and forth thing between the two quarterbacks that he, the offense was just better with Ryan Fitzpatrick in there. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think it's stupid though, to say that Tua is going to be a bust or whatever. I think that we're probably just, it's probably a situation where Tua is not going to be Justin Herbert or Deshaun Watson or Joe Burrow. He's probably just going to be like a, he's going to be like an Andy Dalton kind of like mid tier, like doesn't make mistakes. Like, game manager like his decision making and his intelligence are going to keep him in the league for a long time and his accuracy is good but I just I don't know that he has the arm strength to be an elite level quarterback at this point like there's just the the arm strength in NFL quarterbacks has gotten to such an extreme level at this point that Tua might have had a really good arm 20 years ago or 25 years ago but at this time at this point like I think that there's just a clear difference in like his, his ability to throw the ball I'm I'm pumping the brakes on on all of the Tua stuff. I think there are there are layers to evaluating him, and and the, I think the first one is look at what Justin Herbert did, and look at what Joe Burrow did in their rookie year, and we're comparing Tua to that standard this season. They were amazing. Both of those guys had all time great rookie quarterback seasons, right? Like in in the all time list of rookie QB seasons, those guys are probably what top five. Oh, easily. It, it, Joe Burrow, obviously, if he would have played the whole season, like, who yeah. knows? I mean, he could have, who knows? Yeah, Justin Herbert, I would rank him up there with, like, Baker's rookie year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely up there with the best rookie seasons of all time by an NFL quarterback. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who, like, De- Ben Roethlisberger's 15-1 season, definitely better than that. Like, Ben wasn't anywhere near as good as Justin Herbert was this year or Joe Burrow. Um Trying to think of other, yeah. I mean, they've got to be top five because I can't even think of them. Right. So, so my my point is, I think first of all, we're evaluating Tua compared to those guys. So, is it fair to say he wasn't even close to as good as either one of those guys? Yes, but I don't think that damns him from being a good NFL quarterback. Secondly, um, I I think the Miami Dolphins just overall QB situation, the way they handled that was so bad. Like either either make Tua the guy and go through your struggles this year, or 
decide that you are better, because clearly they, they were a better offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick, or decide that you're a better offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and, and if that's what you want to pursue, then allow that to play out. So I think it was the way they handled it, make a decision. Do you want to go through this year of growth with Tua, or do you want to try to win games right now with Fitzpatrick? Uh, so that, that I think, is the second layer of the Tua struggles. And then the third layer, I, that offense is not built for Tua to have success. So I, I think there are uh, there are some pieces that they need to add before we can realistically expect Tua is going to be on the level of Justin Herbert. I mean, the pass catchers at Miami are nowhere in the vicinity of what like Justin Herbert is throwing to. Uh, they have no, nobody that stretches the field over the top. So there are I, just there are some layers in terms of like this idea that Tua is terrible versus like how how everything kind of lined up for Justin Herbert, for example. I, I think a, I think a, a big argument for Tua and kind of pumping the brakes like, like you are doing is that along with the weapons on the offense not being, you know, su- superb or great, uh, I think that as good as Brian Flores did was this season as head coach, I think that Chan Gailey as OC was not. Like, I think that he had a pretty bad season. Like, they were very – they were too conservative – most of the time when Tua was in the game. And maybe that's, you know, why he just didn't really flash like Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow did because those teams, like, they weren't playing for anything. So they just yep. kind of, like, let the quarterbacks just go sling the ball around. And Tua just wasn't allowed to do that uh, in Miami because they were fighting for the playoffs so far. And they were... And, and they executed yeah. well on offense. It's just there was nothing flashy about their offense. And Chan Gailey retired, or resigned today, quote-unquote. I don't know if that was just kind of like a you know, doing them, a, doing him a solid and not yeah, firing that was him. Happen. Yeah. So who knows if they get a, if they get a new offensive coordinator in there and open it up and, you know, maybe they get a dude in the draft or a free agent and to come in and, you know, get that offense, get him some weapons. Like he could be significantly better. But, uh, I, I do think that, especially when you compare him to the other rookie quarterbacks this year, there's a huge difference just in what he can do throwing the ball downfield. I don't know. I think they, if they were to like, if they were to draft like Devonte Smith or Jamar Chase in the draft and get, they like, got the fourth pick. They're yeah, they're getting a receiver. For right. I, I think so as well. Um, or three, or three. Me, Actually, three. It, they could go Sewell. Thanks a lot, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, um, thanks a lot, Bill O'Brien. I mean, they could get the best left tackle in the draft. But if they get, if they, they got, get yeah. a vertical threat, I think we'll we'll see a drastically different Tua next year. They could okay, so they've got three from Houston. They could, like you said, they could go uh, with Sewell at three, and then their pick is going to be what, like late teens? I think eighteen, yeah. So you could go eighteen. They're like, and we we've seen it. Like Bateman, the kid out of Minnesota, should still be there. Like, yeah, there's going to be receivers available at eighteen that they could absolutely grab. They'd be yeah. difference makers. I mean, Justin Jefferson went in the twenties this year, right? In He's had he's one of the best rookie receivers ever. Like, there's going to be talent. Like, it's not hard to find a receiver at this point in football. How about Chris Olave, the Ohio State kid? Sure, that would like, be. I, I mean, that, I think he would be per- perfect, and he should. I I think that's probably the range where you start talking about him being a possibility. Go Sewell at three, yeah. Olave at eighteen. I think that would be the perfect situation for Tua. Yeah, I think yeah, absolutely. I would definitely go with a tackle at three and then just because there's so much wide receiver talent right yeah. now in college football that yeah, go with a receiver at 18 and um, yeah, 
hell, if you want to go with the receiver in the second round and just get him two dudes immediately, sure. Like, I, there's so many options that Miami has because Bill O'Brien just decided that he needed to give yeah. him two first round picks. Yeah. That, 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 I think that Miami is absolutely going to be good for a while now because they built a really good team. And thank God that we finally, for the first time in this century, the AFC East will be competitive for hopefully for more than just this year. Until the Jets like draft a corner number two overall. Well, the Jets are always going to suck, but you know, as long as Belichick's in New England, they're going to be competitive. And Buffalo and Buffalo is amazing this year. And then the Patriots will take Kyle Trask. Probably. I mean, Cam's out, so yeah. you have to imagine they're they're either going to trade for like Matt Stafford or Carson Wentz or draft a quarterback or both. How'd you feel about the Heisman last night? Did the right guy win? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, we knew for sure it was either going to be Smith or Mac, Mac Jones. Yeah. So, I mean, we knew it was going to an Alabama guy. It, I don't want to take anything away from from Smith winning it, but like it kind of feels like it has to be an unofficial asterisk year, just because so many teams didn't play as many games as the other. Like, who knows if Ohio State plays four more games? Maybe Justin Fields wins the Heisman. Like, you know, maybe those four games is a difference in him, you know, proving that he should win the Heisman. Like, Alabama just immediately gets an advantage over a lot of teams because they played. 11 or 12 games like they played more games well yeah, uh, yeah so you got to sure. see more tape and put up more stats so i, I, I mean think if trevor right lawrence plays won, an entire season he might be the winner he to wins. your point i think we oh, all kind of like feel like trevor lawrence and justin fields are the two best players in college football i don't even think that there's a maybe like if just if trevor lawrence at least plays the notre dame game yeah he can still miss the other game if he plays that notre dame game and they win I think there's no way he doesn't win the Heisman because he already had the narrative favor to win the Heisman going into this year because we yeah. anointed him two years ago as a freshman that he was going to be a Heisman winner. Right. So COVID basically took the Heisman away from him this year. So, yeah, I think if you look at the field for, you know, especially the finalists, I would say Devonte Smith was probably the right guy to win it. Um, but I, I don't think you could have went wrong with Jones either. Yeah. Uh, I did see a tweet the other day, though, that compared D.D. Westbrook's uh, 2018 stats to Devontae Smith's stats this year, yeah. and uh, pretty much exactly the same. And uh, I think that he was a Heisman finalist, but I think a lot of people for sleep on how good D.D. was that year. What, what were his? I, I don't remember exactly. I know the numbers were just crazy good, but I don't remember exactly what they were. Um, I, I'll, tell you, I'll give uh, you this one. Um, Carson Cunningham from KOCO this morning tweeted this. Uh, Devontae Smith season versus Justin Blackman in 2010. So Devontae Smith had 1641 receiving yards, 1,641. Blackman had 1,782 in 2010. Um, Devontae's yards per catch, 15.6. Blackman, 16.1. They both had 20 receiving touchdowns, and they both had one rushing touchdown. Uh, so Dee Dee, uh in 2016... 80 catches, 1,524 yards, 19 yards per reception, 17 touchdowns, uh, 100 yards rushing, and uh, yeah, so about okay. 1,625 yards from scrimmage. Yeah. Like Devontae Smith had a little, had better numbers, but not like just barely yeah. better numbers. Obviously, he had 25 more catches, but 
I mean, if how many times did we watch D. Westbrook have a 50-yard catch oh, yeah. that season? Like it's yeah. he could have had 20 more catches if he didn't score so many you know big touchdowns. Yeah. No, I think part of this is just like you know it it depends on who who the competition is for the Heisman. Like this, if Justin right. Blackman had that season in 2020 against this Heisman field, then he wins. Um, you know, unfortunately, the year that Justin Blackman had the better numbers than Devontae Smith, Cam Newton was a one-man wrecking ball at Auburn. Like nobody was gonna, I, yeah, be, nobody Cam, was gonna win it over Cam Newton that year. That was one of the easiest Heisman decisions yes. of all time. Yeah, yeah. He was a. I mean, he took Auburn. Auburn was kind of they were an average team before Cam, 2010, and yeah. they won the national championship that year. Obviously, the voting is done before that, but. Like he single-handedly took them from being an average SEC team to yeah. a top two team in the country. Yeah, right. that was easy decision. And then I mean, yeah, same thing with 2016. Like, I I think Lamar Jackson probably as much as Cam Newton was kind of an easy decision. I think that Lamar Jackson was an easy decision in 2016 because his numbers were just so absurd. I actually in 2016 uh, argued for your guy, Deshaun Watson. I that's who I, I remember like that whole year I was like Deshaun Watson should be the guy. Like I, if I had a vote then really that was the guy I said should get voted for. And and like I got pushback on it because like Clemson the year before obviously was in the national championship and that was the year that there was this expectation of Clemson that I think was just so ridiculous that they were never going to be able to satisfy I think the expectation, but like as a team, like every week, it just kind of felt like the team overall just was kind of bored and went through the motions. And so I think some of that rubbed off on the image of Deshaun Watson. Uh, and, and, you know, I think just Clemson not living up to expectations on a weekly basis, like not blowing out teams when they should, uh, and looking flat at times, I think, kind of contributed think, to Deshaun Watson not getting it. I think the turnovers probably played a part of that too because people got caught up on like the interception number. Right. Yeah. And not realizing that like they were kind of just that inconsequential times of the game or like it, it, his turnovers did not affect him playing well or them winning the games like exactly. we talked about before. But yeah, and, and, and like you said, like Devontae Smith winning on this field like he congratulations to him great like he was amazing this year and all that stuff but like if Trevor Lawrence would have played two more game one more game and he would have won if Justin Fields would have played as many games as Alabama played he probably would have finished above Devontae Smith like yeah circumstances just made it easier for him to win and my god I am looking at uh the Heisman winners and I guess just time had passed and I just kind of forgotten Joe Burrow's stats last year oh, were just ridiculous. Ungodly. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And I'm assuming this is after the national championship game and the, and the semifinal, but 5,600 yeah. yards and 60 touchdowns to yep. six picks. My God. Yep. That is, uh, I, we said Cam Newton was one of the easiest decisions of all time as a Heisman winner. I think Joe Burrow might've been the easiest decision of all time to win. Oh yeah. When the dust finally settled. Absolutely. Yeah, he was just unbelievable. I like. I think a lot of people after they won the national title, kind of like wanted to start talking about that potentially being the greatest quarterback season in college football history. And I think people are always a little bit hesitant to just go all the way to the greatest. 
So, like, I think everybody kind of pumped the brakes on, uh, like, people were saying that, but not wanting to really, like, just push their chips in the middle of the table and be like, that was the greatest quarterback season in the history of college football. But, like, it's right there. It's as good as any season ever. Who who didn't vote for him? I want to meet the person that decided not to vote for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, I mean, it, it's... I mean, it's not like it was close. He got 841 in the first place votes. The yeah. next closest guy was Chase Young at 20. So yeah, and I made it's the, not like, like I was most people weren't voting for on it. a weekly basis. I was making the point a year ago that Chase Young deserved a lot more consideration than he was getting. And obviously, I wasn't trying to say that at the end of the day, Chase Young should have got the Heisman over Joe Burrow because I don't think that's true. But like, there was just I, I felt like an idea also in a week where like Chase Young didn't have a sack that, like, he was now out of the race or something, which was completely absurd. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, Chase Young, I think, had probably one of the top five defensive seasons I've ever seen in college football a year ago. That's how dominant he was. Yeah, he was incredible. Yeah. It just happened to be a like year that. where, like, Joe Burrow has one of the all-time great quarterback seasons in college football history. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a difference between what Jabril Peppers did to get him to the Heisman finalist and what Chase Young did to get him Heisman votes. Yeah. Not to think, I mean, Jabril Peppers was good, but like, if he would have only played on defense, I don't know that he would have been. Man, I'm, I'm like yeah. going back to the Heisman votes. Yeah, Joe Burrow, uh, I could easily Google this, but I'm doing it the difficult way. But yeah, just running away with that Heisman trophy. Yeah, I thought, who was the runner-up Baker's year? Because I thought Baker was a pretty easy decision, too. Uh, I was Bryce Love. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and Baker dominated. He had 730 yeah. first-place votes to Bryce Love's 75. 2006, though, must have just, I, I obviously I remember the season, but like looking back, it must have been a terrible year in college football. Troy Smith Troy won Smith, the Heisman yeah. with 801 first-place votes. Yep. He had more first place votes than Joe Burrow did. Or excuse me, than Cam Newton did. Yeah. And only like 40 less than Joe Burrow. I remember I remember that year and I just again, it what nothing against Troy Smith, but you're right. There was, there was there. just there was Probably, nobody yeah. else that you just really felt like you could make a great argument for. The top 5 finalists were Troy Smith obviously one, Darren McFadden two, Brady Quinn three, Steve Slayton four and Michael Hart five. Yeah. Yikes. Colt Brennan, speaking of uh, greatest quarterback season ever in college football, finished sixth. Yeah. Colt Brennan. Yeah. And then he, uh, I, if I remember correctly, he finished sixth and proceeded to get absolutely destroyed by Matt Stafford in Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, they, they were, uh, they were manhandled. For sure, that was a good. That was a good Georgia team. No Sean Moreno. Yeah. Uh, AJ Green and Matt Stafford. That was that was a salty Georgia team. Yep. That was uh, that was a that was like one of those Georgia teams that got Mark Richt fired because it's like why aren't they better? <laughs> right. Why are they? Why are they? Why are they playing Hawaii? Hawaii yeah. Sugar Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Why they should? Uh, they should be playing for a national championship. Yeah. 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 They wouldn't. They went nah. Let's see. No, Sean was a beast, dude, at Georgia. I know he didn't do a lot in the NFL, but man, he was good at Georgia. 
Okay, I might have been off. I was off by a year. 2007 was the season that they beat Hawaii in the Sugar oh, Bowl. Oh, okay. But that, it's the same Georgia team, same dudes. Right. Yeah. I thought yeah, no uh, time, you know. the year Mark Ingram won, I thought Sue would have been first on my ballot, and then I would have had Colt McCoy second on my ballot that year, and Mark Ingram probably third. That was the one where I think, like, even in I the see, years I, where I, I think the winner, like, like, like I thought Christian McCaffrey should have won it uh, a few years ago, but it's not like I thought Derrick Henry was an undeserving winner or, like, I didn't think Derrick Henry was in my top two. Like, I would have went McCaffrey one, Henry two. Um, Mark, I think see, Mark I Ingram's the only year where I'm like, I don't even, I don't think the winner would have been in my top two. I don't, I don't think any of those three dudes should have won that year. I thought Toby Gerhardt should have won the Heisman. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it, in 2009. And that, the voting was close. Like, you had yeah, three dudes with 200 first place votes that year. But yeah. yeah, and look, I don't know what it is about Stanford. And I don't know if you remember the uh, the Heisman voter that told Christian McCaffrey he, he didn't vote for him because yeah. he was asleep during Stanford games. Mm-hmm. Clearly, that was a thing because Andrew Luck finished twice a couple of times. Toby Gerhardt finished second. Bryce Love. Um, Bryce Love finished second. Christian McCaffrey finished second. Like something was going like it's got to suck to be I mean, yeah. the, and to an extent. But like, let's say if you're voting for the Heisman Trophy, let's stay up past uh, 10 o'clock and watch some <laughs> West Coast games. Because the fact that Andrew Luck never won a Heisman, the fact that Christian McCaffrey didn't win the Heisman, like I thought for sure Andrew Luck was going to win a Heisman before he left Stanford. He was by far the best quarterback in college football for like a three year span. Yeah. Bryce Love, the year that Baker won it, like three-fourths of the way through the season, I think, Bryce Love was averaging over 10 yards a carry. Like, it was it was ridiculous. And then he got hurt and missed a game, and, like, his his chance was, like, he had no chance at that point. That's why I say the Baker one was an easy decision, like a landslide victory, because the only competition he had was a guy that missed a game with an injury. Bryce Love that year finished with 2,118 yards rushing on eight yards a carry. Yeah. Eight yards a carry. Aaron, like, I'm not kidding you. Before the injury, he was averaging over 10 yards a carry. I just, I remember being like, the guy's getting a first down every time he touches the football for like three-fourths of the season. This wasn't like two games in. This was like eight games had been played, and he was averaging over 10 yards a carry. Compare that to Derrick Henry, who won the Heisman uh, the year before, I believe. Yeah. Two years before, two years before okay, two. Derrick Henry's Heisman season, he had 2,200 yards. So about a hundred yards more than Bryce love, uh, and average five and a half yards a carry. So Bryce love put up these yeah. same numbers on almost two, 150 yards, yeah. 150 carries fewer. But I mean, like you said, Baker was just so amazing. And it, it was kind of like the and narrative Bryce Love thing. missed like a game, Baker, which yeah, am, right, yeah. It was Baker's turn, like it, it, yeah, yeah. Finished in the top five the first the two years before, and then it was just kind of time for him to win. But yeah, yeah. Some about Stanford, man. I don't know if it's because people think they're nerds and don't need to win the Heisman, but <laughs> it's it's the West Coast thing. It's just yeah. It's I mean, I liked Gerhardt. I just. I don't know. I, 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 and I, I watched a lot of Stanford. I'm, I'm not trying to like, it wasn't a, I think I, just, I think I just liked the way he ran Yeah, and, and he was a white dude. Like right. something about a white running back just was like, <laughs> okay, this is different. Just like Let's the, do something different this year. The smart version of John Riggins. 
Right. I don't mean that in disrespectful yeah, exactly. way to John Riggins. I just mean like he was a John Riggins type running back at a smart school. Right, yeah. He was just yeah. He was yeah. just a different. It was just different. He was just a. He was like Mike Allstott. Yeah. Running the ball. Right. Didn't they play yeah, OU like, in fun. the like uh, Sun Bowl or something like that? Yes, they Without did. Without luck. I, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. yeah like, then, I don't think luck if played I were, in that game. And if I remember correctly, the next year Stanford played Oklahoma State. Yeah, was it like Fiesta. Fiesta Bowl? Yep. Yeah. Which was a gr- I was at that game. Great game. What yeah, a great game. OSU ended up winning, right? Like yeah. barely, like yeah. a field goal or something like that. Yeah, they, I think I'm trying to remember. Did was it overtime? Maybe. I think I it went to overtime. I, yeah, I, I remember where I was at when I watched that game. I wasn't at the game, but I remember watching the game. Yeah, Stanford. Uh, Played Oklahoma the year that uh, Gerhardt finished second in the Sun Bowl, and uh, OU won thirty-one to twenty-seven in a great game. Yeah, Sun Bowl. Yeah, I remember Luck not being there. I was like, oh, uh, I don't know how Andy many Jones? people were like in on the Andrew Luck thing at that point, but yeah, he was he was a freak. Yeah, Tavita Pritchard, who started at quarterback for Stanford, that game was eight of nineteen for one hundred and seventeen yards and Yuck. two picks. Yuck. That yeah. uh, that Oklahoma State Stanford game was a forty one thirty eight final OSU won in overtime. God, that was a good game. Yeah, I remember that. I, yeah, that was that that game stood out to me. Obviously, I mean, I remember exactly where I was sitting watching that game. That's watched a lot of football. I don't remember every game. Yeah, yeah, ugh. great game. And also Tempe, we we took a bus trip. So I was working at Triple Play then, covering Oklahoma State. Uh, and we took the radio station, did a sponsored like bus trip out to Tempe and we were there for like four days or whatever. And then we, we bust back. Uh, and so like you, you through the radio station would buy this package that got you like the, a, a ride on the bus, hotel accommodations, all of your, um, like shuttle stuff to and from all of the events that were going on. So anyway, like, so me and another, one of the on-air personalities were like kind of the hosts, if you will of the thing. So, um, it was a, I mean, it was a free trip. Uh, and we did new year's Eve in Tempe that year. And it was just amazing. I mean, there's a reason that cliff Kingsbury is, uh, took that job uh, with the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, Tempe really cool place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. ASU world renowned for, uh, <laughs> yeah. certain types of people. <laughs> 100%. What? It's true. People we, People we all like to be around. Everything you've ever heard about Tempe is true. I'll, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Um, okay, before we wrap this up, Wild Card Weekend. This is going to be awesome. Like, I'm really excited to have three playoff games on Saturday, three playoff games on Sunday. Um, well, hold on. It's, it's not Wild Card Weekend. It's Super Wild Card Weekend. Oh, is that what we're calling it? I think I think that's what the NFL call, is calling is Super <laughs> Wild Card Weekend. <laughs> I'm not going to make you say super like that every single week. <laughs> oh, I only say it like that on super wild card weekend uh, on NBC. Uh, that's good. I like Saints bears to me is really like, eh. like who wants to watch Saints bears, but still nobody. That's why they play on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Six playoff yeah, games. No, sign me up. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I have two days of, Rosie's gonna hate. Rosie's gonna be so pissed. <laughs> I know. Two days in a row, I'm watching 
uh, football from 12 to 10. She's not going to be happy about that. But it's playoffs, you know. Playoffs. playoffs. Talk about the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I'm. there's a couple of games. Like you said, New Orleans, Chicago, I'm not super excited for. Tampa and Washington, like, uh, I'm actually kind of really excited for that because the like Washington's defense is they're pretty damn good. The defensive so I'm line see, is nasty. I'm excited to see Tom Brady play that play that Washington defense. I'm not excited to watch Alex Smith check it down 35 times. Right. But something there. Uh, I, if I had to pick one game though, Baltimore Tennessee, sign me up for that game. Yeah, that's my I, number that's one. That's going to be well. my must watch game. Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I want it to be fun, but just the COVID is just wrecking Cleveland right now. Right. That I, I, it's going to be tough for me to think. I mean, Stefanski's not going to be there. Their facilities closed. Like your, your facilities closed the week of a playoff game. That doesn't bode well for you winning that game, especially when the teams played last week. Did you see the so. the drag racing news? No. Okay, so apparently Jedrick Wills, their starting left tackle, and I guess one other player, uh, were arrested for drag racing. And, like, there's all this outrage about these guys getting arrested. And I'm like, it's drag racing. Like, come on. How high and mighty do we have to be to, like, start throwing stones at 22-year-olds for drag racing? Like, in their, in their like, $400,000 car they just uh, bought. Like, right. Yeah. Like, come you know, on. Yeah, if, I, if I was 22, hell, I was 22 in a 2009 Mazda 3 trying to drag race people. If you put me in like a Corvette or like a Maserati, the guy had right. no chance I wasn't doing that. Right. Yeah, I would be curious to find out what they were driving. But yeah, like, oh, come on. Like, do we really have to like create this like faux outrage that a couple of Browns players were arrested for drag racing? Yeah. Uh, but I I don't want to say let's pick them, but like who, what are your ideal matchups next week? Um, I mean, we can pick them if you want, but like, I think it's more interesting to talk to think about the games we want to see next week. So will the buy teams get the lowest seed? Is that how? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The buy, the buy team will automatically get the low seed. Um, I'm trying to think, do you know what you would like to see? Because if you do, go ahead. Because I'm, I'm kind of yeah. like debating in my head. So, in the AFC, I I hang on. Well, I guess it kind of depends. Who I was is Baltimore the six or is Cleveland the set the six? Uh, Cleveland's the six. Baltimore and Tennessee are the four five game. Okay, so I in the AFC. My hopes, I, I would like to see Kansas City and Baltimore. Okay. And Tennessee and Buffalo. I would love to see Cleveland advance, but I really want that Lamar-Mahomes yeah. matchup, and I want to see Mahomes and Allen in the, in the AFC Championship game. I think that's going to give us the best football. Uh, in the NFC, yeah, and in the NFC, um, I want to see Tampa Bay and Green Bay, and I want to see New Orleans and Seattle. I'm with you. Yeah, we agree. Yeah, t- yeah. Rodgers and Brady, Mahomes and Lamar, like those right. are great quarterback matchups. Uh, 
I think Tennessee's super interesting. Like their defense is terrible, but like they just play a different style of football. Yeah. Are, are they're just able to play? Not even that they choose to, but like they're able to play a different style of football that than every other team, other than other than Baltimore, and be successful about at it. I mean, Cleveland's a little physical, but like I just they're not not in the way that Tennessee and Baltimore are. Well, actually, opinion, but we if the Browns win, then that's who uh, that's who Kansas City would get. Right. So the, the yeah, Steelers yeah. would have to win for Kansas City to get the Ravens or the Titans. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want Buffalo. Oh, I, I picked Baltimore and Tennessee too. Both didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not even an option. Okay. I'm an idiot. I'm so yeah. Cause okay. I was like, you know I, like at first I was like, yeah, that I would love to see those. And then I thought, up. wait a minute, yeah. that can't happen. I'm looking at the seating right now. Like I like the bracket, like there's, yeah, the Steelers or the Browns so. has to be one of the, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's redo this. <laughs> I want to see. I, I was I with you Cleveland. though. Like you said that, and I was like, was "Well, match. that's ideally yeah. what I would like to see too." Yeah. Apparently, in my head, we I just it was just let's just pick games we want to see. You right. know what? I'd like to see uh, Green Bay and Kansas City. Next week. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's redo this. This is Buff- the danger of not Buffalo. picking the games, Aaron. That's right. We should just pick the games. <laughs> Uh, Buffalo and let me give me Buffalo and Cleveland and okay. Kansas City and Baltimore. Okay, that's not that's not gonna work. That, no, that doesn't City work because the Browns would then Kansas play. City, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kansas City and Cleveland. See, the NFL added another team and just screwed everything right, up. It right. used to be simple. Kansas City and Cleveland. Okay, Baltimore and Buffalo. Give me those with because I I, I want to see Lamar and Mahomes in the AFC Championship game. Okay, there we go. There we go. Um, I would much rather. I think you're right. I would much rather see Baker Mayfield and the Browns beat the Steelers. But if we're talking about my favorite second-round matchup, I think I'd rather see KC play either the Ravens or the Titans, which yeah, would mean I the agree. Steelers would have to win. So, like, it's kind of a... I want the Browns to win, and I'd rather see the Browns play going forward than the Steelers. But if that happens, then you're robbed of the Kansas City, either Titans or Ravens matchup. So, it's kind of a... A weird deal there, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, right I'm, I'm with, with you. you. I think that I'll tell you this: just as far as this weekend, I like all three of the the AFC games. AFC game, yeah. Like the the Bills Colts game to me is also really intriguing, simply because a lot like the Ravens Titans game a year ago, the Colts can run the football and they play good defense. So like I'm picking the Bills to win. I think the Bills will win, but the Colts have the recipe to be able to to pull off the upset. It's not like I think this is a game where. The Colts can't get it done. Uh, they, I mean, they they play the style of football that I think translates to potentially giving Buffalo a game. I honestly, looking at the the six teams that are playing Saturday this weekend in the AFC, I think Pittsburgh's probably the worst team. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately, I I hope that like other than like Stefanski and maybe some like inconsequential players that Cleveland's not coming to that game just completely crippled. Yeah. And playing with, you know, half their team. But, yeah, give me any of the AFC games. The NFC games, I absolutely do not want to see Chicago, L.A., or or Washington win those games. If they win those games, I'm going to be upset. Yeah. Because it's just not it's just not as interesting. I don't want to see Trubisky. Oh. I don't want to see Trubisky and Jared Goff play next week. I just don't. Right. Yuck. The NFC in general, just, I mean, Seattle, I feel like, just struggled down the stretch. I mean, not that they... Still won 12 games. 
Yeah, like they, I, I don't know. I just, I, like watching them down the stretch, I just didn't feel like they were really a contender. Yeah, they were a weird team. Well, I don't They're know what happened to Seattle because the first, the first half of the season, they, you could argue that they had the best offense. Yeah. And they were so fun yeah. to watch. And then the last two months, they've just be, they, they've become these, like the old, boring old Seahawks where, like, it's just not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I've got somebody in the room here. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought that was your green screen. Oh, no. Um, no, it's real. Okay. Yeah, no, he's, and he's running around with his shirt off. So apparently the shirt has uh, wow. disappeared somewhere. He just ran in the room and, all right. Anyway, yeah, the like Saints Bears, eh. I, Seahawks Rams is probably the game that would be the most appealing to me this weekend. Of of the three NFC games, again they're all playoff games, so I'm I, like I'm going to watch them all, and I'm not trying to like say that I'm I'm not interested. I'm just in comparison, I think to the AFC games, the NFC games are are drastically less appealing. I I'm very interested in the Washington Tampa Bay game. I, I'm kind of riding on Tampa Bay in the playoffs because I kind of I want. I, I part of me really wants Brady to win the Super Bowl just to stick it to Belichick, <laughs> just because I know that's going to upset him. Yeah, like Belichick is not going to sleep for a week because of that. Yeah, and it, so I don't know. I think that'd be fun to it's fun to watch. But yeah, the NFC is there. It's it's the I mean it's the conference of the old quarterbacks. It's I mean right. You have three quarterbacks in the playoffs in that conference. They're combined for like 130 years of age. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's, oh God, it's so sad to watch like Breeze just, not that he's, yeah, he's just God awful, but you can, he's just clearly not the same dude. And you throw Alex Smith in there. Alex Smith's in his mid thirties too. Like yeah. there's a lot of old quarterbacks in the NFC. So hopefully they don't fall apart. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, this is a, uh, it's kind of fun. Cause you got the young quarterbacks in the AFC against the uh, old quarterbacks in the NFC. You know, other than Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger. As we start the playoffs, can you reasonably tell me that you think it's going to be anything other than Kansas City, Green Bay, and the Super Bowl? I can make an argument for Green Bay not getting there. Really? I just for, for what team yeah. though? New, I think New Orleans okay. has a okay. shot. New Orleans is just—I mean—they're so good they're at so every good. position, yeah. other than quarterback. Like they, I could absolutely see them making a run. I could see Seattle making a run because we know that that offense is down there somewhere, like buried yeah. in whatever they they have. And Russell Wilson is elite. I could see Tampa Bay making a like. I, I think that there's really good teams in the NFC. A few good teams. They're just the quarterbacks just aren't playing up to par with where they need to be. In Seattle, New Orleans, for example, and then Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay's problem is everybody outside of Tom Brady. They just don't know how to win. They're not very disciplined, so that could end up costing them. But I could see an argument for them beating Green Bay. Kansas City, though, I just I, I've seen too much of Pat Mahomes just like do like make absurd plays yeah. in the second half of games to win them to bring them back. And like I, I watched games this year where he he played like the Miami game. He was pretty average through a few picks, and they still won by like twenty points and had thirty points at halftime. Like yeah. I just I cannot see a way that Kansas City doesn't make the Super Bowl if you know if they stay healthy I just, and don't get COVID. Both, well, both of the quarterbacks I think are just playing so well that regardless of the situation, I just one hundred percent believe that if they ha like at the end of a game with the game on the line, like Rodgers and, and Mahomes both are just yeah. going to win the game. So 
I'm excited for the playoffs. I think the playoffs are going to be really fun this year yeah. because we've gotten to a point where like there's just no bad quarterbacks that make the playoffs anymore. I mean, Alex Smith, but he played in the Mitch NFC, Trubisky. so it doesn't count. Yeah. yeah that's fair. Too. And we expanded this thing. And the NFC. Yeah. And Phillip Rivers. And the NFC. At least Phillip Rivers has a track record. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it'll be fun, though. All right, my friend, enjoy your week, and we will catch up next Wednesday. All right, man. See you later. Super. (laughs) Aaron Davis joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast, and that is it for today's episode. Presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products abotanicalcompany.com is the website. If you use the code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Colby Show, at checkout, you save 15% off your online order. So again, check out the website, educate yourself on their line of natural medicine products, and use the code Colby Show to save yourself 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody stay safe, have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.